Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Instead of letting Jesus be the focus, if we made church about politics, we would divide up in our political groups. And if our slant was this slant, then those that agree with this slant would join here and others would get offended and leave because we made the church about something that it's not. If we make the church about social issues, that's not the goal or the purpose of the church. If we do that, that'll minister to one group of people and the other group of people will leave. It's not for them. If we make the church about something other than Jesus, it'll divide us up in ways that it shouldn't. Finding a home church is a tough job. There are so many different doctrines and denominations that it can be confusing. Shouldn't they all be similar? Pastor Bill reminds us today how all churches should have the same bottom line, Jesus Christ. If you have nothing else in common with someone but Jesus, you have a good foundation for a relationship. As a church, we should reflect what heaven looks like. There's no room for segregation or hatred. Stop trying to set yourself apart by being unique. Instead, set yourself apart by being loving to absolutely everyone. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter five, as he continues his message, worthy is the lamb. As we look at the instruments and we look at the music, remember that in its original form, music was made to worship God. Satan was a part of the worship. He wanted worship for himself. He's been moved out. God still deserves worship. Amen. He still delights in praise. He still loves music and instruments. But we should be aware of this because Satan is no longer serving God. But you guys should be aware that he still got something to do with the music. We should just be careful what we're singing along to and what the tunes are, knowing that in the same way that God can inspire music, so can Satan. And I believe that one of the ways that Satan steals the worship, he wants what belongs to God. If you've ever watched a, a concert and you go to, a, if you watch a concert, you watch, you know, I could name certain people. You can look at some concerts and it looks like worship. Everybody's hands are raised. It's emphatic. They're just emotional. They're crying. Fall. I remember Michael Jackson, when he used to come, people would just be running and crying and falling and fainting. And it was like, what is it? He's just a guy. He's just a man. Right. It's, that has to be offensive to God. You know, when you have people that ah, whatever, you know, just falling apart. And it's like because he can play music because he can dance. He died on the cross. So you got to be crazy. You got to be kidding me. You know, there are even some artists where it's tricky. You know, I'll, I'll throw this one out for for the rap people. Jay-Z, he has them call him Jehovah. Jehovah God MC. And he'll have them put their hands up at a concert and they're yelling out Jehovah. And that's what people, they're, they're holding up his sign and they're yelling. I'm like, that's like stolen worship. I don't think it's an accident. You know, I'm not Illuminati. I'm not that deep. But some stuff is pretty blatant. Just we want to be careful, right, that, that I know Satan is still a part of the music. But I also know that my, the Lord still is in the music. He still desires it. We'll see in heaven. God's got instruments there. They're singing. We're going to see in just a moment. They're singing new songs there. As believers, we should be good at worship. We should be good at praise. We should be good at giving it up for the Lord. And, and, and for you guys that are gifted in that way, we should use that. If you're a songwriter, write them songs. If you write poems, write them for the Lord. If you play something, all these things can be taken and used in a way where it's just it glorifies God, honors him. He enjoys that. For you guys that are blessed to be creative, God did that. God gave you that so that you could worship him with it. And so back to what we're looking at here. Everybody falls down. They each have a harp. It says there's golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And so there's these golden bowls in heaven that they're incense. So the fragrance of heaven are the prayers of the saints, which is interesting. That no prayer prayed. You're praying, you're a believer, and you're praying to God. It doesn't go, it's not missed. God did not hear you. God didn't forget about you. They're bowls of incense in heaven, which are the prayers of the saints. And they're the aroma of heaven. And so don't skip out on prayer. Prayer takes faith because oftentimes when you pray, we don't see things happen immediately. People get discouraged and they stop praying or they feel like they haven't been heard. Um, And sometimes we just got to continue. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The Lord is listening. He hasn't missed a single prayer. They're in bowls of heaven. They're they're the fragrance of heaven. They're the incense of the heavenly realm. And so there's instruments. There's incense, which is the prayers of the saints. And then verse nine says, and they sang a new song. It's saying, and I'll, I'll explain the song, but let me say this real quick. There are some denominations and groups. They try to make it super spiritual to sing only old songs. So I got a friend that's at a church and they believe that, you know, you got to just the songs that are in the hymn books. These are the ones that God likes. And, and I'm not dead serious. There, there are churches, there, there are groups that really there are pastors that are doing conferences where they're really pushing this idea that this stuff right here is really spiritual. These new songs, they're calling them strange fire and stuff like that. I know this. God likes a new song, right? It's nothing wrong. I, some of them old hits are great. Right. They'll be a classics. We'll sing them forever. But in the Psalms, he says, sing unto the Lord. What? A new song. I want something new. When you look at this right here, they sang a new song right here. I wonder who wrote it. Doesn't say who wrote it. Or, you know, it seemed I don't know if it was just the, the they all came up with it at once. But they sang a new thing to the Lord. And it's like they're in the heavenly scene as the revelation of what God just did for them. They now respond in a song. And I believe that that today, if you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, if you got some kind of creative thing that the best inspiration is going to be, it's going to come from the word of God. You may hear something that that really ministers. You God may reveal something to you through your devotional life as you sit in a service. That's a great something to write on. That'd be a great place to to write something off of that where God is, is freshly inspired in your heart. And so they sang unto the Lord a new song. And this is what it said. You are worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seals for you were slain. And so they're just singing to God his word. It's very simple, but it's true. And this is what's important about that. Our worship should always be according to the truth of the word of God. Amen. Worship can't be you can't just make up stuff. There are people writing songs that I'm like, that's not even true about God, you know? So there are whole worship, supposedly worship music and gospel music that it's like, that's not even true. You can't sing that to God. So we should be, you know, discerning. If I'm going to sing something to God, it should be true. Amen. It should check out with the Bible. So don't just sing it because it's in the gospel category or in the gospel station, because some people are writing stuff where I'm like, that's not even what God wants. You know, the songs that you write, it's all about, it's really all about them. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to get some of this. I'm going to get some of that. And I'm like, that you're going to sing that to God. <laughs> That's be good luck with that. You know, be careful with that stuff. But here, I mean, as God is revealing himself, as God is revealing his truth, as God is revealing, look, I, I, I was a lamb slain for you. They respond in, in worship and they, they're singing. You are worthy to take the scroll and open his seals for you were slain. And next it says, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. This is the song of the saints. Only Christians can sing that. Only we can say you have redeemed us to God by your blood because only we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. And so redemption is this. That means that you were you were lost. 
You belonged to Satan at some point in time when you weren't saved. And when you gave your life to Christ, the purchase of salvation, which you see in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, look, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. The blood of Jesus, you were redeemed. That God paid the price for you, paid the purchase price to redeem you out of the clutch of Satan to himself. Now you'll always belong to him. Now you'll always be with him. Amen. And so we can sing that we've been redeemed also by the blood of the lamb. This is a song that believers can sing that you redeemed us to God by your blood. Then it says out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That lets us know that in heaven, there's some of everybody. Amen. And this is this is important to me. Right. That it's been said that Sunday is still the most segregated day of the week in many places. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. If we do church right, if we come together and Jesus is the focus, then there should be lots of different types of people from lots of different types of backgrounds. And we may have nothing in common but Jesus. And that would be enough. Amen. That would be enough for us to be family. That would be enough for us to walk in in unity, walk in love, to serve together. So church shouldn't be. This is how churches get segregated. When instead of letting Jesus be the focus, if we made church about politics, we would divide up in our political groups. And if our slant was this slant, then those that agree with this slant would join here and others would get offended and leave because we made the church about something that it's not. If we make the church about social issues, that's not the goal or the purpose of the church. If we do that, that'll minister to one group of people and the other group of people will leave. It's not for them. If we make the church about something other than Jesus, It'll divide us up in ways that it shouldn't. And over history, that's why there's different color churches. There's different groups because people have made church about something other than Jesus. If we make it about Jesus, the church should be colorful. Amen. There should be sprinkles of all kind of folks that all we have in common is Jesus. And it's enough. Church should be little glimpse of heaven on earth. The world should peer in the church and say, I don't understand how you guys are all of Jesus. You won't understand till you join it, you know, that they should just peer in and say, well, what do you guys have? Jesus. One of my best friends, when I, when I went to Bible college, I went to Downey as a church in Downey. Now I grew up in Inglewood. I was in Inglewood my whole life. When I went to Downey, I made, that was, that was my first venture into, I used to, don't be offended, I used to call it white man's land because that was really, for me, it was like, I'm used to being in the area that was all black and I went out there and it was very different. But as I got there, and I made relationships in Christ. One of my best, one of the first guys I met was a, my friend Steve Pearson. He was teaching a apologetics class and a couple classes that I took there. And we both were Bible guys. We both loved the word of God and we would talk. And we start talking about the Bible. We start talk, talk, talk. And so we've been friends since 1999. We don't really have much else in common. It's, it's amazing that we have had the friendship we've had all these years. The we have in common is that we both love the Bible and we'll talk about that. When we go to free time, he does stuff that I never do. He's a golfer. I ain't never golfed. But I mean, we've maintained a relationship all these years. Our daughters grew up together. They, they seen worship together. And to this day, we get on the phone and we're talking about what the Lord's doing. He's in Utah pastoring. I'm in Inglewood pastoring. And the Lord has been enough for all these years for us to have. Like, he's a brother to me. He's like family to me. My heart is this, that as believers, we would have that heart. There can be no room for racism in the body of Christ, right? So if your parents raise you wrong, shame on them, but you don't carry that on. If there's bad people of every color, every demographic, and guess what? Jesus died to save them. So if I'm going to rightly represent Jesus in this world, I got to have a heart for every type of people everywhere I go because he has a heart for every type of people everywhere I go. There's not a group of people where Jesus is like, nah, not them. 
They're really bad. You know, they're, they're going to get what they got. That's not his heart towards any group. So if, if I'm really being moved by God and led by the spirit, that's what I'm going to be like. That's what you're going to be like. And it should be reflected in the gathering of the church. So even though that statement is said and it's true in a lot of places, may it never be true among us. May it not be true in our church gathering, but even in your personal world. I hope there's room and space in your personal life for people that don't look like you, for people that come from somewhere you don't come from, because that's God's heart. That's what God would have us to be like. Amen. So there were some of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. Verse 10 says, and you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And so they're worshiping God for all these reasons, because you redeemed us, because you were worthy to take the scroll. You redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, nation, and you've made us kings and priests to our God. And we see that elsewhere in scripture, you've made us kings. We are, we are part of the royal family, if you will, because of our relationship with Christ. You have made us kings. You've also made us priests. Priests in the Old Testament were the, the liaison between the God and the people. God has made you and I ambassadors. We get to lead people to him. We get to be the go-between. We get to represent Jesus to those that don't know him that they might connect with him. Amen? He says, I made you kings and priests. I've given you guys divine purpose in this life. And then heaven, they're worshiping God for that. Lord, you changed everything. You you were worthy to take the scroll. You redeemed us from all over the world, and you've given us purpose together. You've made us kings and priests to our God. And they got purpose in the future. We shall reign on the earth. The believers are in heaven here worshiping God for what he's promised in the future is that they're going to reign with him. When are we going to reign with Christ? Anybody know? After the tribulation period. So chapter six through 19 are going to be the tribulation period. After that, the church will come back with Christ and Satan will be bound for a thousand years and we will rule and reign with Christ. Uh, We're going to reign with him. And so they worship him here for this. Verse 11 says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Can I help you out with that number? I did the math. It's innumerable, right? So the number of angels and, and, and people that are there worshiping, it's an innumerable number of people in heaven. And it says that they're all worshiping. This is what they're saying with a loud voice. And I just want to point out, they're not murmuring this. They're not mumbling this. They're not kind of whispering this. They're all giving it up. They're all emphatic. They're all doing this. With a loud, imagine an innumerable number of people all loudly screaming out or singing out. They maybe weren't screaming, but they said it with a loud voice. This is what they sang to the Lord. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. They worship the Lord. They're emphatically worshiping God because he is worthy. And again, if we can take something from what we're reading here, we can get a as we take this glimpse of heaven and we gain something from this. We should know that he's worthy and that it should be expressed. God wants you and me to express this in worship. The greatest form of worship is obedience. I want to say that your loud singing. If you disobedient is irrelevant. Jesus said, you know, don't honor me with your lips and your hearts are far from me. Don't do that. But our obedience is the foundation of worship, but it should also manifest itself in praise from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks out of the overflow. Worship should flow out of the believer and it could be in song. Uh, it can be in speech. You know, you can worship God as people ask you how things are going. You can just give God glory. I was getting ready to pray this morning with, with the brothers and one of the guys was just, you know, was going around and he said, you know, what, man, he's just giving God the glory for 
one of his kids that have made his way back to the Lord and all that God did to bring it about. And we just rejoice in that, man. Praise God. I'm rejoicing in what God did in his family, in his life. And we thank God for what he did there. That's worship. I'm, I'm speaking his words. God did this. Um, and so you can do that in conversation. So next time you feel like you want to complain, just shove some worship in there instead. Just, just say something God did instead. We all got stuff we could complain about, right? And if you get good at expressing that, you'll, just, you'll be an Eeyore. And they don't want to be an Eeyore Christian where every time you come around, how you doing? Oh, you know, it's just it's just it's rough out here, man. Like, you know, I wonder this is pretty unattractive. I think, you know, when believers are that way, when God has done so much for us. And so get good at expressing it, sharing it and, and giving that over to other people. And so they all worship him this way with a loud voice. Verse 13 says, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying. So interesting that there are people on the earth, under the earth, in the sea, all that are in them, I heard saying. And so this made me think of Philippians. So if you guys are writing notes, write down Philippians chapter two, verse 10 and 11. Let me read it to you real quick. Philippians two, nine, 10 and 11. It says this, uh, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here Jesus is saying, look, the day is going to day coming where every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. What if you died without Christ? What if somebody died a Satanist? Y'all hear, hear this. They're going to be resurrected. They're going to give God the glory that's due his name. And then they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Everybody is going to give him the glory that's due his name. So here's the crazy thing. Imagine having to do it anyway, but just doing it on your way to hell instead of doing it on your way to heaven. Right. I want to be there saying I've been saying this. <laughs> I told y'all, I mean, you know, this this is not a new song for me. I know this tune, you know, uh, for us, this this need to be the song of the saints. We already know this tune. We know that he's the king. We got no problem confessing his name. But God says, no, I'm, a, I'm imagine that this is how important God's glory is to him for non-believers, Satanists, those that are rejecting. No, you're going to say it anyway. Every knee is going to bow. You're going to bow your knee and you're going to confess with your tongue that I am the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody's going to say it. Problem is, how sad will it be for those that have to say it you know, before they're judged? You know, that, that, that is sad, but uh, when it says those on the earth, under the earth, I, I believe that's the, the idea there is that there's going to be a resurrection. Everybody's going to be, there's going to be resurrected and, and there are going to be people that are resurrected to life. There'll be people that are going to the lake of fire. That is amazing to me that people will, you're going to give an account for what you've done. And if you have not given proper glory to God, you will give him the glory that is due his name. As believers, we want to be blessed to do it this side of eternity. Amen. I want to just be saying it again with them. I mean, I want to get to heaven and be like, man, it's going to be cool to worship with the angels. But I was worshiping with the folks down here just the same. And so everyone gives honor to him. And this is what they, they were saying. Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And again, just this is what they're saying to God, blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. God, the father and God, the son forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's interesting. The Trinity is made up of three people, right? 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we get this glimpse into heaven, the Father's on the throne, the Son's being, where's the Holy Spirit? Huh? Every, okay. Um, well, we see earlier, right, the, the Lamb as though it had been slain, having the seven horns, the seven eyes, and the seven spirits of God. Um, but here, just in the way of worship, I, I want to point this out. When, when worship is going forth, it's specific to the Father and the Son. Here's what's interesting about the Holy Spirit, and you can kind of, this can be homework. You can go look this up. If you go through the Bible and study the work of the Holy Spirit, guess what he's always doing? Pointing to Jesus, right? Because there are movements where the Holy Spirit is worshiped. People pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, do this. Holy when you look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, he never makes himself the focus. And so if you take the, where the Holy Spirit is really moving, there'll be a great emphasis on Jesus. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When there's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, there's usually man driven and directed because that's not even what he wants. We don't even see that in the scriptures. You never see a service in Acts where we see the Holy Spirit at work. We see him filling people. But the result of always what the Holy Spirit is doing is people are speaking boldly the name of Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel there. The Holy Spirit's move on a person's life moves them to glorify Jesus. So. We should be aware of that as a church. And we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the day. And I believe that if we walk in the fullness of the spirit, it'll help us in our focus on Jesus. It'll cause us to radically focus on and worship Jesus genuinely. Amen. And so the last verse, verse 14, it says, and the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And as we end this glimpse of heaven, we saw a lot of worship and it was all focused on the throne and the one that was on the throne and the lamb, the father and the son. There was all this worship focused towards God in that way. And this is what we can walk away with as we end this, because next week we're going to start the tribulation period as God begins to pour out his wrath on a world that's rejected him. But God said, I'm going to give you this glimpse of heaven In heaven. I'm the focus. In heaven, I'm being worshiped and glorified. In heaven, there's instruments of praise. In heaven, there's new songs being sung. And in heaven, people are grateful that the Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. They are grateful that the Lamb has redeemed us from sin, from Satan to God. That's what heaven is happy about. And so I got to ask this, right? I can never assume that everybody here, that that's the truth for you. And if you're here and this is the truth for you, then you've been given a glimpse of what your life should look. We should, be, we should be grateful, worshiping people, loving the Lord, loving other people and everything else. But I, I don't know if there may be people listening and saying, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I died, if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if that's my reality right now. If that's you, I'm glad that you're here because the Lord loves you. And it's his heart. God brings us into places and God reveals these things to us so that if we are disconnected, we can be connected. He's made it very simple. How do you enter into a relationship with the Lord? How, to, how does this become true for you? It's true for everyone that has put their faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. That you're a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And he rose from the grave and conquered sin and Satan and death. And that if you put your faith in him, that he is the only way to be saved. You put your faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross God will forgive you. God will save you. God will give you his Holy Spirit today as a down payment that you're his child. and He will never leave you, never forsake you. 
you will be his forever. And if you're here today and you need to enter in, don't let anything stop you from that. Don't let anything keep you from receiving from Jesus what he died to make available for you. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through this very interesting book of Revelation. At first glance, the book can be extremely confusing and downright terrifying. But for the believer, this book brings hope that God will bring and make things right despite all the turmoil that will occur here on earth. Does learning and hearing about Revelation cause some anxiety? Or are you at peace with what God's Word says? Wherever you are at today with these prophecies of things to come, we want you to know that we're praying for you and would love to hear from you. Please call or text us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. If you're looking for a place to plug in, you're welcome to join us for church this weekend too. Check out our service information for Calvary Chapel Inglewood on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. We're offering online services, so look on our website or join our live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. There are links for these on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, be sure to check out more of Pastor Bill's messages from this series and from other books of the Bible. Just look under the media tab for additional messages to listen to, download, or share with others. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time as Pastor Bill looks further into the book of Revelation. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Mm -hmm.